It's the most wonderful time of the year. Yes, it's that time again, friends. It's time to make our 2020 garden plans. It's time to make my 2020 garden plan. I've been looking at my snow-covered garden and getting the itch to grow something, something, taste something fresh, and make some delicious pickles, relish, or salsa. Who's with me? Yes! Love it. Love it. Love it. I love it. Yes! Oh, yeah? Yeah. All right, let's go there, Danier guy. The long slog from January to April in the Northland really gives a gardener cabin fever. But it's these quiet, cold nights where we come up with new ideas for our gardens and plan for the new season. It's almost time to start growing those seedlings. And man, I can't wait. I totally can't wait. So if you're new to gardening, you might be feeling a little overwhelmed. Maybe you want to grow everything in that shiny seed catalog, right? I mean, I've got one right here. Got two of them right here. Can you can you hear that? Here, here, here. Yeah, that's uh that's a Johnny's selected seeds calendar, and it is shiny. Maybe you want to grow everything in this thing, but you just don't know where to start. For veteran gardeners, you know, you are probably so used to growing the same stuff you don't even think about it too much. You might be curious how other gardeners do it. And by that I mean creating a 2020 garden plan. You can get your mind out of the rain gutter right now. So in this podcast and post, I'm going to talk about the following. I'm going to look back at 2019, talk about that a little bit and where we've come from and where we're going. We'll talk about the garden plan. Step one, my ultimate garden list. Step two, the reality check, reducing the list. How do we do that? Then we'll get into a little bit of this whole 30 challenge thing and what is that? And that, and you'll see what where we're going as we get into this. And then step three is finalizing my 2020 garden plan. And I'll have a list of vegetables and herbs that I'm planning on growing this year. And then we'll finish off with next steps. So strap yourselves in, grab a drinky drink, and prepare for another small-scale gardening post and podcast episode. You can successfully grow plants anywhere. All you need are three basic elements, light, nutrients, and water. If you're new to gardening, a seasoned gardener, or a plant angel of death, I can help you. My name is Tom, and welcome to the Small Scale Gardening Podcast. This is Tom, your lovely host. Glad you're here. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Small Scale Gardening Podcast. It's another adventure into gardening in small spaces, and I'm so happy you're here. I would like to also welcome all of our friends from the Small Scale Life uh, Podcast Network. Thank you for listening in. We are simulcasting on both for now. We'll have the YouTube out sometime this weekend or early next week on the Small Scale Gardening channel. So we've got uh, lots of different ways you can catch up and catch uh, and catch the Small Scale Gardening Podcast episodes, and we are so happy you're here. This is our fifth episode. So welcome to the show. Actually, no, this is our fourth episode of the Small Scale Gardening Podcast. So welcome to the show. Uh, again, my name is Tom. I'm your host. And um, yeah, let's get into it. It's it's exciting. It's This is fun. Um, love this time of year when we are sitting down and we're starting to come up with a plan for gardening. And and I know some folks might get a little overwhelmed by this because it's like, oh my gosh, there's so many choices. I want to grow this and that and everything else. And and, and if you're growing in a small space like I can or I am, 
the bottom line is we can't grow everything. We just can't. And it's a conversation that Julie and I had, but we'll get into that. We're going to get there. So let's talk about, let's bring you up to speed on where we've been. Because when I dropped off uh, this this blog, I mean, we were still in St. Louis Park. We were doing raised bed gardening. And a lot has changed since then. So let's talk about what happened. Let's take you back. Let's take you back in the Wayback Machine a couple of years and, and bring you back up to speed. So, um, again, it's a great time to sit. This is a great time of year to sit back and think about these things and come up with all these plans and schemes. And, and um, you know, I'm really pleased with where the garden went last year and how it did, how it performed. It's a brand new garden. We're going to talk about that in a second. And, um and it just it ended too soon. I mean, frost hit early October. We got a really cold. We went really cold really fast. It's actually kind of let up a little bit here in late January, February. Still can't grow anything outside, but you know, it hit really really fast in October and I just shut everything down cuz it was just impossible to keep things going with the current configuration. So, we'll talk about that in another post as well. So let's talk about raised bed gardening. I That's what I was doing. I was really into that. If you're new to small-scale gardening, my wife Julie and I, we lived in a different suburb called St. Louis Park. It's just west of, the, of Minneapolis. We moved up to this house in North Minneapolis in 2017. And at that time, we inherited two four-by-six square-foot gardens that are on the south side, the side yard, south side side yard of the house. And these were raised beds made of wood, the uh, Mel Bartholomew would, would give it the oh blessing and say, this is awesome. This is great. This is exactly what I talked about, you know, six inches deep or eight inches deep and four four feet by six feet. I, some of my trellises are on it. Uh, we did have a, a fence around it to keep the rabbits out, and they chewed through the first one. I had to put up chicken wire. But, um, yeah, it was it was, by all appearances, it should have been great. And it had decent sun exposure from mid-morning to late afternoon. And then as the sun sunk lower in the western sky, we got a late afternoon burst. So, yeah, it's it's probably the best spot for a garden in this yard, just looking at the trees and how everything works, except for the boulevard. But who wants to plant in a boulevard? I mean, lots of people around here do it, but not for the kind of gardening that I'm doing. So um, the the gardens were functional. They had good soil. Father-in-law, mother-in-law did a great job building the soil, it, but <laughs> the gardens were functional, had good soil, but there's always a but, right? They were rotting, the wood was rotting, and the soil was inf- infested with roots. Yes, roots. It didn't matter how I worked the soil. I took a spade to it, I took a hoe to it, I used the garden rake. I would get roots. I would clear them out in the spring, and by midsummer they were back. And the roots would infiltrate. They'd come up. There was a weed barrier down there. I found out later when I deconstructed everything, there was a weed barrier down there with landscape fabric. But these roots just came through the sides. They they found a way. And they would just infiltrate the soil. And then they would compete with the plants and herbs for water and nutrients. And And you might be thinking, well, come on, a root or two? I get grass in my raised bed gardens all the time. It stinks. They're They're just a pest. But it's not that bad, right? How bad could it have been? But uh, let me assure you, the roots formed a thick, dense mat. I had some roots in there that were the size of my fingers, right? I mean, they were thick, These and, the, and it's just a spider web, and they would just be a thick, dense mat. And 
like the tomato roots couldn't puncture that mat. They couldn't get through that. And and if you look at a tomato plant and the roots, it, it doesn't have a huge root ball on it, but it just could not get through that. And so I think that this thick mat of roots actually stunted the growth of plants and the production in the garden. And I know, especially in the first uh, raised bed that I had peppers and some squash and stuff, or zucchini in there, and they just had a horrendous time puncturing, puncturing through that that mat of roots. And even though I tried to clear them out, it just they just kept coming back. So it just was not ideal, right? And on top of that, the wood sides of the gardens had completely rotted. Wood meet wet soil, and they sit long enough together, that wood is going to rot. And that's what happened. I mean, it was a beautiful garden, but over time the wet soil will rot the wood. And uh, I had installed chicken wire fencing to keep the rabbits out. The rabbits were extremely hungry. They loved to just mow down all the pepper plants and everything. And uh, and at the end, when I took this whole garden down, the chicken wire was really holding the whole garden together. I had the sledgehammer. I was going to be a, a chip gains in there. Just it's demo day, demo day, and just smash this thing. I took the chicken wire off and, and it just, it was like a, a cartoon. It went boop, 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 boop. All four sides went down, and it, and it was just kind of anticlimactic. I didn't get to smash anything. Wah, wah. <laughs> but that's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. So it was time for the gardens to go. And that's when, um, in early 2019, I think March or April or so, we had saved up the money, and we created the new garden. And it was so awesome. So we purchased two watering troughs. That would be the primary wicking beds in the new gardens. And I, they're Freeland watering troughs out of Portage, Wisconsin. And uh, they're 257 gallons, gallon troughs. So they're big. I mean, they're two foot wide, seven feet long. You could do a lot with those. And they're like over two feet deep or about two feet deep. So um, it's galvanized steel. There's no way for the roots to infiltrate unless the bottoms rust out. I'm not going to do that in a year or two. And uh, there's just going to be no way for the roots to get in there. And at the same time, I designed it and built these. The The metal trough was the structure, but the, the internal guts, that's the power. It's the wicking beds, right? So I, I used some, um, some uh, drain tile and created a wicking bed out of these things. And the beauty is that with these wicking beds, I only need to water them Water the plants, water the reservoir in the bottom of the trough one time per month. Yep, you heard me correctly. I only added water to the wicking beds. I was keeping track, so average it out one time per month. One time adding water with a hose to the bottom of the tank one time per month for the whole summer. So each month, one time. That's it. And it was awesome. I could go on vacation. I could go do my work stuff. And I didn't have to worry about if the plants had water or not. Huge, huge improvement. No roots, no rotting wood, water once a month, no weeds. Boom. Awesome, right? At the same time, I constructed two hybrid rain gutter grow systems as well. And if you've been part of Small Scale Life, if you've been following me on Instagram or Facebook, You've seen me talk about these from time to time, and I've been experimenting with rain gutter grow systems since 2015. I wrote about it first here at smallscalegardening.com, and there's an article about that, and there's one on Small Scale Life. It's one of our best articles is on rain gutter grow systems. And in those days, I was experimenting with a 3-inch PVC pipe, 2-inch net cups, landscape fabric, and cheap plastic buckets from the dollar store. That's it. 
And believe it or not, this planner performed very well. I didn't grow mosquitoes, I grew food, and I grew it right on my driveway. The very first system is currently in storage at my mom's place up north, but I'll be setting it up for her in 2020. And I'll talk about that first hybrid uh, rain gutter grow system more in the future, in future posts and podcast episodes. For my current hybrid rain gutter grow systems, I'm using what's called self-watering basins. That's my term for it, self-watering basins. These are essentially wood tables, if you can picture a wood table, with sides on them. So there's two by four, or you can even use one by twos because we don't need very much water with sides on them. So that keeps the water in place. There's a liner in there. And instead of Dollar Tree baskets, I use grow bags with soil in them to grow all kinds of plants, including peppers, tomatoes, green onions, herbs, and a white pine tree. Yes, I am growing a white pine tree that I've named Harold. (laughs) <laughs> we grew these in this self-watering basin or hybrid rain gutter grow system. I'll be writing a lot more about that and talking about this system in the very near future, especially as I gear up to build another one for the 2020 garden season. I, we're going to get into the list here, and you're going to see I'm going to need some more space. And I want to try more things, too, and really show you what this rain gutter grow system can do. So get ready. It's going to be a lot of fun. And as I'm thinking about this and writing this section of this post and talking about it on the podcast, I'm realizing that there's a lot of content that I'm going to need to make to explain all this and talk about how the grow bags work and how these rain gutter grow systems work and how all of this works. So stay tuned. It's going to be a lot of fun. And of course, we're going to have some lessons learned from the 2019 garden season too. I've already been thinking about a list as I thought about the next steps of this planning process. So are we ready to talk about the planning process? All right, let's do it. So let's talk about building the ultimate garden list, which is step one for this 2020 garden plan process. So as I started to work through my 2020 garden plan, I wanted to get a little more input from Julie about what we should grow in the garden. After all, we are totally believers in eat what you love and eat and grow what you eat. So we totally believe in that. Otherwise, you're going to waste all the food. I mean, if you're not going to eat the eggplant and the kohlrabi, you probably shouldn't grow it. And that's something that we're not going to do this year because I'm the only one that eats kohlrabi and eggplant. I don't think anybody in my family likes that. So I grabbed my famous traveling whiteboard. It's been with me and a bunch of podcasts and and it's really great for getting some ideas and quick uh quick outlines down it's really cheap walmart is a great place for this it's like a 12 by 18 whiteboard but it's my traveling whiteboard and i went up and sat down at the kitchen table with jules and we talked about what we should grow in 2020 i was building the list i already had a bunch of things written down and I added different vegetables and herbs to the list, and as we talked, the list started to grow even longer. Our ultimate garden list, and you can see it at smallscalegardening.com or on the Small Scale Gardening Facebook group, uh, Facebook page or Instagram, uh, the Small Scale Gardening Instagram page, you can see what the list looked like, and uh, it was really starting to come together. One of the key areas we talked about were greens like lettuces, spinach, and also basil and cor- and and, uh, and cilantro. These are things that we really want, but there's certain times of the year up here in Minnesota where you can grow those successfully. For greens and spinach, they're great in cooler months, and that's uh, May, June, 
July is getting too hot. August is getting too hot. September, you can start to plant, uh, start your seedlings again and get those in the ground uh, for late September, early October. And we usually get our first frost here in the Twin Cities on October 10th. So you're kind of shooting for that. You can actually do some row covers and keep those greens going for a little bit longer. But they're cooler month crops. Just in the heat of summer, when the summer cranks up, things just bolt and it doesn't taste good. So we're trying to do something a little different this year with those. And the cilantro is kind of the same thing. They don't last long. It seems like uh, it goes the seed pretty quick. It bolts, goes the seed really fast. And I've harvested a lot of coriander, which is cilantro seeds, over the years. I like cilantro. I really want it for salsa. But if it's bolting in July or August, that's not going to help me for when the tomatoes are coming due in mid to late August, September time frame. Does that make sense? So I end up buying a whole bunch of cilantro when I really was growing it earlier in the season. Now, I love basil. At one time, I had a garden with hundred and almost 150 basil plants in them. But the problem is, up here in Minnesota, I get downy mildew. And I gotten it, I've gotten it every year, whether it's St. Louis Park or here in northern Minneapolis. I don't know what it is. Must be something in the air, but... I get downy mildew, it wipes out all the plants. So that 150 plants, they all got wiped out when mildew came to town. So I want to try something different with all of these. So greens, lettuces, spinach, cilantro, and basil. We're going to try to see if we can grow those better inside than out. So I'm going to grow that stuff inside. And it's something I've wanted to do for a long time is to have a continuous rotation of lettuce going all year long. And that way we can knock that off our list. I know it doesn't, it doesn't, take up a big bunch of money on our list, but I would love to grow that all year round. We eat a lot of lettuce. We eat a lot of greens. So to have that, to be able to just cut cut lettuce right here and have it ready to go, that would be awesome. I, I mean, have you noticed you cut you get lettuce from the store and like two days later, three days later, it's all go, it's all rotten. That's because they've had to transport it across the country for seven to ten days before it actually enters your refrigerator and then you start to work with it. So we want to try to figure out how to grow these inside while I am doing a lot of other stuff outside and take that out of the mix. Of course, the challenge is if I start growing it inside now in the winter, I'm going to start growing seedlings and then we're going to have lettuces, some basil, cilantro going um, when I have all these seedlings going too. So we're going to be competing for space inside. Space is a premium here, so we're going to have to figure that out, but that's a challenge we can overcome. There's some other plants that I would really like to try this year. And to keep it interesting, I'd like to keep it somewhat mobile. And some of these plants could be grown in containers. So what am I talking about? These include strawberries. I already have two packets of seeds. So I know a couple of our listeners and followers have talked about strawberry plants and growing strawberry plants. So we're going to grow some strawberry plants, right? And uh, rhubarb and blackberries and blueberries and turmeric and ginger and comfrey. All these things I would like to grow here. And I know they do really well when they're growing in the yard, in the soil. Not sure how they're going to do in containers, but of course, we have space and root complications. We don't have a big um, we don't have a big lot here. We don't have a lot of good sun here, and we do have the roots here. So these these are some complications I'm going to have to deal with. Uh, a good example of this is rhubarb. I do have rhubarb growing in the yard. It's located in the permanent shadow from the neighbor's house. So it's on the south yard, side yard, right by the wicking beds. But it's in the shadow all the time. It's right where I had the vertical gardens. Um, two years ago. 
Um, and it's struggling in the shadows. And I think it's struggling because of the underground root problem as well. It just can't flourish like it would in full sun and without these roots that are competing for nutrients and water. And I, I know this because my mother-in-law, Barb, planted these rhubarb plants from some incredible plants I had in St. Louis Park. I mean, I planted these things in heavy clay soil. It had some gravel. It wasn't the best soil at all. But, man, these were huge rhubarb plants, and they were awesome. And they just produced incredible amounts of rhubarb each year, even with the slugs and, and even though they were not in the best soil. So these clones should be doing better than they are currently. I might need to move them into some different containers and move them in the yard. So more research is required on that. But, you know, these are all the things you think about, right, what to do with these. And and I would love to do all these things. But uh, when all was said and done, my ultimate list got pretty long compared to the garden space I have available. It's kind of like uh, you've got this whole big team of players, and they're all doing tryouts, and you've got to make some cuts. Some have to go. And we'll do those in a in a future year, right? I need to focus on gardening efforts and I have limited space. So what are we going to cut? I don't have the space and the resources to grow everything. So step two is the reality check. And it's reducing the list, making those cuts. My friend Amy Dingman in A Farmer's Kind of Life talked about the three stages of goal setting in homesteading. It was on a recent podcast episode. It's a really good one. Of course, you know, it's really good because the first stage is is brainstorming and she credited me in calling this the insanity phase, right? <laughs> this is the insanity phase and us dreamers, we get stuck here. We think about all the things and everything we want to do and everything about everything. We have this massive list. Unfortunately, we can't do everything. We can't. We don't have the time, resources, and, and space to grow everything. So it's time for the next step in the 2020 garden plan. It's time for a reality check. So I started thinking back to 2019 and what happened. My goal in 2019 was to grow ingredients for vegetable soup. Think about it. You got tomatoes and you got, you got potatoes and beans and, and other things, onions and garlic and those other things. Okay, garlic I didn't grow. But a lot of those other things I was trying to grow to put in vegetable soup. And my friend Mike, Michael Bell and I termed this as a soup garden. We discussed that in a podcast on small scale, small scale or uh, in a post on small scale uh, gardening. And it's also on Small Scale Life, a podcast episode there. And as I look back, I realize that one important ingredient of the soup garden were potatoes. If you're growing potatoes, you know they chew up a lot of space in the garden. So do sweet potatoes. They kind of take over. And they pretty much choked out everything in wicking bed one. I grew some peas in there. The peas died off because they had a 100-degree weather, and they just got burned up. And then I planted some green beans, but the potatoes were huge. They just took over everything. So I'd like to experiment a little more with that system and other different vegetable types in wicking bed one. So potatoes, and by default sweet potatoes, are out. We're not going to grow those here. But how do I reduce the list down even more? It's just, it's too long. It's too big. The soup garden concept is a good one. I highly recommend it. I still believe in it. I think it's a good one. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. You grow what you love and you grow what you eat, especially if you can make soup out of it at the end to preserve it that way. So without potatoes, are you even making vegetable soup or are you just making a vegetable broth? Hmm. Something to think about. So fortunately, Julie and I are working on establishing healthy habits and an overall 
healthy lifestyle. We're working on this whole 30 challenge right now. And this gave me an idea for this year's garden. And you're probably like, well, what's the whole 30 challenge? You might be wondering what that is. So that's a valid question because up to a couple months ago, I had no clue. And to answer that question, I went to the Whole30 website. You want to get this right, right? So according to their site, they say the Whole30 is designed to change your life in 30 days. It's not a diet. It's, a, it's not a diet, a detox, or a weight loss program. Think of it as a short-term reset created to help curb your cravings and bad habits, boost metabolism, heal your digestive tract, and calm your immune system. For a full 30 days, you'll, be, you'll completely eliminate foods that the scientific literature and our clinical experience has deemed the most commonly problematic in one of four areas. Your cravings, think of diet do or diet pop, right? I got to have it. Metabolism, digestion, and the immune system. During the elimination period, which I'm doing right now, you experience what life is like without these commonly problematic triggers while paying careful attention to improvements in energy, sleep, digestion, mood, cravings, focus, anxiety, self-confidence, chronic pain or fatigue, athletic performance and recovery, and any any number of other symptoms or medical conditions. This elimination period will leave you with a new normal. A healthy baseline where, in all likelihood, you'll look, feel, and live better than you imagined you ever could. At the end of 30 days, you then carefully and systematically reintroduce those foods you've been missing, again, paying attention to what changes in your health habits or mindset. So it is removing some of these things that we just consume constantly, right? Like the Doritos and the coffee creamer and the Diet Pop, Diet Soda, Diet Pop, you know, um, all the things, right? There's there's rules for this challenge. Basically, you're eliminating sugar, real or artificial, beans, rice, processed foods, dairy, and alcohol for 30 days. You're, I mean, okay, it's not detoxing, but essentially you're kind of detoxing. You're resetting and deprogramming for 30 days. You're cutting off those cravings. And at the end of the 30 days, you can add some of these things back into your diet and see how your body reacts, if you wish. Otherwise, you can continue onwards with this new Whole30 lifestyle and live ever after, so to speak. So what can you eat? You can eat a ton of veggies, a ton of vegetables. And as Julie and I, we were buying stuff to get this going this weekend, and I was looking at it, all these fruits and vegetables and herbs. I just kept thinking, I can grow all this stuff in my garden. I really can. So why shouldn't I? Why not grow a garden with the Whole30 lifestyle in mind? I mean, we don't want to go through all this and then just go right back to eating a bunch of bread and chips and drinking beer. You, you want to have new habits go into place, right? Your new habits take a little time to form and settle in and, and go down this new path. I don't think anybody's going, grown a Whole30 garden. I mean, don't know. We're going to do it. We're going to do that with the lifestyle in mind. And I won't call it a Whole30 garden, but it's gardening with the Whole30 lifestyle in mind. <laughs> it's a long about way of saying it, right? Um, so one more thing, um, you're cutting out all these things, but potatoes and sweet potatoes are on the Whole30 approved list, but we're not going to grow them in the garden this year. We just don't have the room at this point. We might in the future, but not in 2020. So step three is finalizing my 2020 garden plan, and I'm going to give you the list of vegetables and herbs that I'll be growing and testing out. I mean, the other thing I'm trying to do here is test out these wicking beds. What can we do with these? What can I do with a rain gutter grow system? How far can I push this thing? So let's get to the important stuff. What is What veggies and herbs made the list, right? So here's a final list here. 
and final as long as it is February 6th. So, 2020. So here's the list. In Wicking Beds 1 and 2, we're going to do carrots, the multicolored ones. We're going to do sugar snap peas, and that's going to be an early season thing. Cucumbers, of course, so we'll have them trellised up. Zucchini, the Zephyr variety that Mr. Michael Bell has talked about quite and gave great reviews. So I'm going to have to make a seed order for Johnny's. We'll talk about that in a minute. Broccoli and cauliflower. We are eating a lot of that. We're actually eating a lot of zucchini, broccoli, and cauliflower. So we are going to need a lot of that. Now in the hybrid rain gutter growth systems, one, the first one, uh, we're going to do, that's going to be the peppers again. We're going to do sweet peppers, chili peppers, banana peppers, bell peppers, and jalapenos. Jalapenos. We're going to have those peppers growing in there. And in the new hybrid rain gutter grow system, I want to have this one low to the ground because I'm going to try to get as much trellis space out of that. That's one of the drawbacks to having these watering tanks for in tomatoes. I just couldn't get the trellises that I, that I need. I need tall trellises. <laughs> I get tomato plants that are 15 feet tall and productive. What I had this year just wasn't working for me. So I need to do something a little different. So uh, in the in number two, we're going to have the San Marzano tomatoes, the Opaca Roma tomatoes, black cherry tomatoes. And then I'm going to interlace some ginger and turmeric in there. I've seen it done online. So we're going to see if we can do that. But I want to have some ginger and turmeric uh, and try that out in grow bags. So we're going to do that as well. Then we're going to do some patio, a patio herb garden. And we're going to have oregano, rosemary, thyme, and and parsley. We use a lot of that in our cooking, so we want that. And then in the indoor, I call it the indoor wicking beds, we're going to be working on this. We're going to have lettuce, spinach, basil, and cilantro. So that's the game plan. That's the list. Pretty pretty good list, I think. It's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of variety here. Nothing too wild and crazy, so no eggplant, no kohlrabi this year, no squashes this year. They get pretty huge, and they usually get downy mildew as well. So, um, yeah, we're uh, we're going to be doing some good things here. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's extensive. It's aggressive. It's ambitious. A uh, few things dropped off the list, but this is what we're starting with, and I might refine as we go along. And again, we're running into the issue of, okay, how do I get greens and everything growing now and then swing back around and have all my seedlings going? So that's going to be, there's some competition for light, <laughs> for resources here inside as well. And that gets into the next step. So what are we doing for the next step? So I have a bucket full of seeds. I, I know it's kind of sad. I have a bucket where I keep all my seeds. So it's time to go through all those and see what I've, I've got to take an inventory and see what I've got and what am I going to need. Um, I know a few things I'm going to need, like the multicolored carrot seeds and Zephyr zucchini seeds. Um, I know the Zephyrs are coming from Johnny's, I believe. So I'll go ahead and buy a couple of those packets for the season. Uh, carrots won't be started until um, until I can actually plant those in the wicking bed. And the good thing is the wicking beds have a lot of growing depth. There's a lot of depth there, so they should do pretty well. I've saved a lot of seeds from a variety of plants that I've grown, and I can't wait to plant those. That is something that I like to do is, you know, take seeds from the tomatoes that are growing well in my garden or the peppers that are growing well or the sugar sap peas that grew well. So I I will take some of those seeds and I will save them for the next year. It's a practice that's been going on since the dawn of time, since men and women figured out how to farm, right? They always keep a little to plant the next year. 
So I'll check and see what I have on hand and make an inventory of that, see what I need. I think I've got a lot of stuff, though. <laughs> so i got to use up the resources and bring that, bring that inventory down a little bit. Some of those dill seeds, I know I've got some from 2011 from Illinois. And, uh, man, once those dill seeds get planted, they are virulent. They go crazy. So um, I want to plant some of those. So as we conclude this post on my garden plan, my 2020 garden plan, it's great to have a good idea. I feel good about where we're going. I feel good about having a sense of purpose and direction and a why, right? It's not just, oh, I'm just growing to grow. It's, there's a why here. We're going to be feeding the lifestyle, feeding this healthy lifestyle. And when you start this, it's always fun to have this huge, wide open space, all the possibilities, all the things. But as you talk to family members, you think about what you eat, you think about what you, what worked and what didn't last year. Um, if you're new, think about what you eat, what you, your family will like to eat, what, what you want to eat. Um, you know, you don't have that experience yet, but you think about what you want to eat. Because it's the worst thing that you can do is to grow a bunch of stuff and let it rot because you don't know what to do with it. I mean, you can give it away, but you want to eat it too. So why grow all the stuff if you're not going to eat it, right? So the, that does help narrow things down is what worked, what didn't work, what you're going to eat, what you like to eat, what your family members think, and then what you want to do. And then finally tying this whole garden to something bigger than yourself, this whole lifestyle habit forming effort that we're doing, right? It's tying into the healthy lifestyle. We're going to eat this stuff. We're going to eat it and we're going to love it. <laughs> so that's great. And we've got a big why now. So um, it's going to be cool. Does that make sense? This whole process, setting up the big goal, narrowing it down, Tying it to a Y and then coming up with your final list. I mean, that makes a lot of sense, right? I hope so. I hope so. If you have other steps that you do, I'd love to hear what those are. So stay tuned to Small Scale Gardening and see how this season goes. It's going to be cool. We're going to be doing some different things. I have not grown uh, cauliflower ever, so this is going to be good. And I've done broccoli before, but not in a wicking bed, so that's going to be cool. And uh, zucchini in a wicking bed, that's going to be a cool thing too. I haven't done that. So we've got some things that we're going to be testing out here and then building, of course, another hybrid rain gutter grow system. <laughs> we're going to be doing that as well. So stay tuned for the Small Scale Garden to see how the season goes and how everything comes together. Then also stay tuned to Small Scale Life, our flagship over there, to see how the whole 30 challenge goes. It's our Health and Fitness Renew You Part 2. Last year, we did a whole Health and Fitness Renew You, and this is essentially Part 2. The story continues. It's always a process. We're not perfect. We're always in process. Um, so it's time to develop your plan. I've done enough talking. I think I've given you some good ideas and where to start and how to, do about, how to go about it. Maybe you can modify your plan. Make this plan yours. Make this process yours. It's your time to shine. So if you need some help, you need some suggestions, feel free to contact me at smallscalegardening.com on the contact us page or at smallscalegardening at gmail.com. We have a website or our email site there. Reach out. Also join the Small Scale Gardening Facebook group. We have conversations and discussions going on there all about gardening. So feel free to join us. Like this podcast, share it with your friends. That would be really great too. We're getting some hits and it's always nice. To, <laughs> it's always humbling to start a new process and you're way down here at zero again, but it's, it's a new thing. So it's going to take time and we're just going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep talking until somebody actually likes it. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm not. <laughs> 
But anyway, um, thank you so much for being here. Good luck. Good luck with this planning process. Reach out if you need some help. Um, and let's learn to grow together. Okay, so this is Tom from Small Scale Gardening. I'm so happy you're here. Good luck with your planning process, and we'll talk to you real soon. Take care, everybody. This has been a production of Small Scale Life Media. Let it grow, let it grow. I can see all the veggies growing for me. So let it grow, let it grow. The cold never bothered me anyway. I sound like a dumbass all the time, so. Yes. Yes.